Welcome to Northern Gold, a football podcast from the Evening Express and Pressing Journal. I'm Ryan Kryle and today I'm joined by Paul Third, Paul Chalk and Jamie Durant to discuss our teams, the length and breadth of the north of Scotland. How are we guys? All right, thanks. All good, thank you. Okay, this week we'll be discussing Dave Cormack's Q&A on Red TV been waiting a while to hear from the Aberdeen chairman so we'll have a bit of reaction to that and sort of, sort of work out what, what we still want to know from the chairman uh, obviously the Dons are back in action this weekend their first post-split fixture against Livy in a week where Calvin Ramsey their standout breakout right back has been linked with Liverpool of all teams as backup for Trent Alexander-Arnold of all people uh, Ross County to discuss as well they're of course back in action as well in the top six they've got Celtic this weekend will a bumper Dingwall crowd spur them to a famous victory in Verness. Big win last Friday and then a disappointing loss down in Dumfries in midweek. And of course, Cove, they could win the title this weekend. We thought they'd maybe won it last weekend, but surely, surely they'll take advantage of their final home game of the season to secure the trophy in front of another bumper home crowd at the Balmoral on Saturday. Right, let's get into it then, Paul. Paul Third. We've both watched the Don's QA. I'm sure all four of us have watched it. Um things like that. Obviously wide ranging. There's a lot of things to get through when you know when you hear from Chairman every now and then, Graham Hunter obviously asked what he asked. Is there anything else that immediately stands out to you that you'd still like to know having watched the QA? It's funny, you watch these things with like a fan's hat on. You, you kinda have to and think, well, if I'm a fan, what do I want to know? Um, and a few things come through my head. Um, I've got them here. Uh, I'd like to know um, what lessons have been learned following the failure of the last managerial appointment. Um, a poor January window, two years running, has cost the club dear in both campaigns. What's been in done to ensure it doesn't happen a third time next season? And I suppose it was a costly exercise in terms of the overhaul of the team last summer. Will the funding be there to allow Jim Goodwin to make the changes he deems necessary this summer? That's three for starters. I didn't even mention the stadium. Yeah, well, that was the thing I was going to avoid. This isn't Northern Infrastructure. It's a Northern goal, so we'll leave the leave the stadium for now. The January window, then, that's something I am still curious about. Obviously, across the QA, there was chat about how the new head of recruitment, Darren Mowbray, who'd come in September. He's visited all these countries. He's been to Poland. He's been to the Netherlands six times or something like that. There was all these other places he's been to and Dave Cormack also talked about how there were 2,500 players across the globe in all positions that the Dons are kind of... They're players that would come in and would improve the Dons. Big thing in January was no striker was brought in as backup to Christian Ramirez. So you've got to reckon in those 2,500, 500 strikers maybe, minimum. And you know none of them were identified and... No, I think Dave Cormack gave the impression that none of them were deemed high quality enough to come in and, you know, for the Dons to make that financial investment, take that risk. This season, five top five positions in the Premiership are going to give you European football. It was surely a transfer window. If there if it was a gamble to be taken, it was surely a transfer window. To get, and you, even if that striker, there's a potential that you could invest that money and it could be a failure, it was surely the time to take that risk and... When you hear all the other stuff about the, the countries visited, the scouting network, all the ex-dons that are giving them advice on 
players to sign, potential talent, all the thousands of players that are out there. It just, it just, I'm still not quite satisfied that I understand why that striker didn't come in in January. Are you? You're trying to get me in trouble again here, Ryan. Um, I wrote a piece and I was very critical of the club's January window. Uh, In hindsight, I think the last two January windows have cost Aberdeen dear, as I've just touched on. Go back a year ago, you've got three lone strikers, none of whom are playing for their clubs, brought in following a deadline day scramble. And the chairman referenced that in his uh, interview in the club channel, saying, look, they scored three goals between them. My follow-up question to that would be to ask if that could have been avoided with better planning rather than leaving it to the last day. After all, Sam Cosgrove was sold, if you remember, that month in, in 2021. So it's not as if nobody knew it was an area which was going to be in need of being addressed. And given everything I know of Derek McInnes without harking back to previous managers, um, I'd be amazed if he didn't have irons in the fire well ahead of time. He always prided himself on working windows ahead. He talked about it all the time. Fast forward to January this year, and every Don's fan is calling for another striker to support Ramirez. The supporters can see it, and the people at the club clearly know it's needed. I still maintain it's bordering on negligence not to have done anything about it. The results since then show how glaring an omission it still is in the team every single week. And with you, Ryan, you're telling me there was nobody? Nobody out there? Come on. The The thing that kind of caught my eye was obviously... The mention of all these connections with with ex Aberdeen players or Aberdeen legends that are helping, are supposedly helping out the scouting network in in certain countries. We'd obviously heard before about Bobby Clark recommending players um, from America. With I think it was initially it was John Gallagher that came over, and then we've had Dante Pulvara that's come over. It's and I think yesterday there was also mention of Theo Snelders helping out in in the Netherlands and um, Steve Archibald in Spain. And while it's nice to kind of have these connections, I suppose, with former players living abroad and kind of being able to even like them to throw some names out there. And I suppose it's nice for the supporters as well to know that these guys still maybe have an interest. To the best of my knowledge, and I'm happy to be corrected here, those three guys aren't still involved in football as it is today. They may they may kind of still have a passing interest in football in these countries or watch games, but they're not actively involved in the coaching or scouting side of things, which is I would say is a shortfall of that. Um, so it's nice to get recommendations, but I think they need maybe to be looking at people with more boots on the ground kind of experience as it stands um, to get a gauge of these guys and what these guys are like and if they would if they would fit in or not. Yeah, I did. I did wonder about that one as well. Uh, obviously, other outlets. Um, after we we had the story up yesterday, other outlets picked up the the idea that Stephen Glass wasn't the first choice for Don's manager. That Dave Cormack had said that in the CUNY. When when I look at the quotes and hear what he said, I, I didn't actually read it as that. He said that there was an, another top candidate that mid interview got another job in England and. Basically, the, the process for him ended there, but I don't think he said he was the top candidate. He said he was a top candidate, and he's previously talked about how Stephen Glass was was the top candidate. There was also no mention of Andy Considine's impending departure from the Dons, which I thought was an interesting one. Well, there's two things there, because um, the, the, the first bit about Glass is still quite puzzling. Because it was put across as Glass having gone from being the outstanding candidate from the process a year ago to the process being sped up because other candidates were dropping out. Now, going back to what we've just talked about with strikers and January windows and what have you, given what was been said by the chairman in the same interview, 
that the club wanted quality over quantity and if a guy's not there, we're not bringing him in. Is he now saying they rushed their manager appointment? Because that's what it sounded like. Um, as for Considine, I think player departures are a manager's job. Um, but I'd also remember, or also would say sorry, remember what we were watching. It was an entertainment show rather than a hard-hitting interview. It's on the club channel. I don't think anybody was expecting a Jeremy Paxman-style grilling for the chairman. Um, the big issue, though, is whenever someone of prominence at the club does an interview, fans have long memories. They pour over every word. They take it as something is set in stone when it's coming from the chairman or a manager. So when contradictions come out, the sea's on it. The chairman talked a lot about wanting a younger team to play attacking football, the Aberdeen way, yet somehow we ended up with the oldest team in the league this season. Now we're hearing Jim Goodwin wants younger, more energetic players to carry out the pressing style he wants to implement, and that probably points to why Scott Brown and J. Emmanuel Thomas have gone and why Andy Constantine's on his way out. Yeah, um, well... If you do still have answers that you would like from Dave Cormack, keep your eyes peeled to the Press and Journal website in the coming hours because maybe, maybe there'll be something on there that might answer those questions. Anyway, let's move on. The Dons are back in action against Livy this weekend. We talked last week about how just get two wins in the post split, even one win in relegation fears are put to bed. Livy this weekend, as a result, becomes a must win. It's another must win. We've said that plenty of times this season and it hasn't turned out to be a win in the end but maybe this weekend it'll be a tight game first of all I think there's no denying that all the games between the sides have been tight this season Dons have won two one of which was won in quite calamitous style from Livy's point of view Livy won the last one 2-1 uh, what, what, what do you think Paul what's your, your read on this game it is a must win from the viewpoint just that one little lingering doubt of somehow being hauled into this playoff mire right to death you just want to put that to bed you've got two home games let's not let's not just look at the Livingston game you've got Livy and then Dundee next weekend that's your two chances to just put a fork in this season and then we can really go on with the the planning for next year because that's what needs to be taken priority but you can't really get into that until you know what league you're in and that, and that sounds ridiculous to say that but well the chance is still there you have to be cautious and you've got a job still to be done Calvin Ramsey this week linked with was it this week maybe Sunday to be fair uh, you know the days just fly by in this in this game but Calvin Ramsey linked to Liverpool he's obviously been linked to a lot of big teams across Europe in the Premier League in England previously but being lined up apparently as a backup to Trent Alexander-Arnold of all all players potentially the best right back in the world certainly has been considered that at points in his career points in recent years I mean. Is, is Calvin Ramsey of that quality? I don't know, but if Cuba Gooding Jr. should be on here giving it the old show me the money, because if you're, if you're Aberdeen, you're going, oh, thank you very much. Please, Liverpool, come and bid for uh, our, our young right-back. Look, I don't, I don't know what he's worth. I don't know what Lewis Ferguson's worth, but Aberdeen are, are looking, going, we've got work to do in our own squad this summer. That money would be handy. For if they can sell these guys um, and really focus on a proper remediation work, if you like, of the squad, um, but don't don't just take the first first offer, and they haven't done that so far. To be fair, while they might this might be the summer these guys move on, the money needs to be right. What what I would say is it's a it's going to be a difficult scenario, I suppose, for for Calvin because if he gets the opportunity to go to Liverpool, he's never going to turn that down in a million years. 
But for his own development, I think it would be more beneficial for him to go somewhere that he is going to be playing every week because he still is a young lad. And I don't know how much he would develop necessarily by going and playing Premier League under-23s football for a couple of seasons. I don't know what the standard's like. For me, it would like far for me to be giving him career advice, but I would think it'd be more beneficial for him to maybe go to an aspirational championship club where he's going to be playing every week with then the potential to push on and get into the Premier League because he still is a he still is a young kid. I'm with you, but if one of the best teams in Europe are coming calling for your services, you don't say no. Come on. You could break a a brain for him, like. <laughs> I mean, I mean, even even if you're in the under twenty three, so on those teams, I suppose the money is life changing. As we know all about Man United's struggles, that all their under twenty threes are on like twenty grand plus a week. You don't turn that down, as you say, Paul. Uh, Sean Wallace he wrote in his column this week as well that Lewis Ferguson this summer. I know you said you maybe don't know how much they're worth, but this feels. Perhaps this summer, I know Aberdeen have kept their powder dry a little bit with Lewis Ferguson with speculation in recent transfer windows and the player himself being in the transfer request, of course, in the last one. But was it the last one or was it last summer? I think it was it last was summer. It was May last year. My understanding actually is that transfer request is still in. It's never been withdrawn. It's just a club hasn't come in to offer the money well, <laughs> that Aberdeen are looking for. As Sean, as, as Sean likes to write, it was slapped in and it has never been... <laughs> Slapped out. Um, Still flapping in the wind. Is this this the point? Is this Ferguson's high point in terms of value as an Aberdeen player? He's played for Scotland now. He's had another, I suppose, decent enough season in spite of what's been going on around him. I I think so. Does this feel like the moment? And and, and he's right behind Ramirez. He could yet still finish as the the top scorer at the club, possibly the league, depending on uh, how many goals he can get in the last five games. Lewis Ferguson's a very good player. He's been a pretty much an ever-present from day one since he arrived from Hamilton Aki's and now he's got what I don't I'd love to know how many games I should have looked that up before it must be about 200 mark at this point but he's he's certainly ready to make the move to which whichever league that's going to be I don't know but he's he's ready 164 games only one of which is of course off the bench for Aberdeen and in that time from centre midfield 35 goals his last two seasons he's been in double figures of course so not bad shooting not bad shooting agreed 100% it feels like him. it's it's <laughs> it's there for yeah. him it's it's all there for him now I think and it's, it's, it, it's, it's the Aberdeen model isn't yeah. it the model is you get them in cheap you sell them high um, Aberdeen are a selling club at the end of the day right let's move on though to the top six uh, we need to discuss Ross County who of course will begin their bid for European football against Celtic this weekend Northern Goal is brought to you in association with Aberdeen Sports Village with memberships to suit all ages Aberdeen Sports Village is for everyone in the community I'm there all the time to interview athletes play football on the indoor pitches swim or use the gym but you can also dive choose from over 100 exercise classes play racket sports, chill in the sauna and steam room, run on the athletics track and more. Achieve your goals at Aberdeen Sports Village. Search for Aberdeen Sports Village online for more information. Okay, Paul Chalk, how many wins do we think County will need in the post-split to finish fifth? And is one of them going to come this weekend against a wounded Celtic out of the Scottish Cup in front of what must be a bumper dingwall crowd, potentially the biggest the biggest crowd the Global Energy Stadium's ever seen. Could, could well be, Ryan, yeah, looking this morning and uh, the 
last tickets are just about sold now at Ross County for Sunday and it's um, it's a game now with a bit of uh, added pressure on Celtic because they're, for the first time in a while there are, are questions uh, over whether Celtic could possibly blow this title race given the way um, Rangers dispatched them in the in the semi-final. Unlikely I know but re- remember, you know, Ross County's last defeat was against Celtic in, in Dingwall, their last home defeat, I should say. And it took a, a goal in the 97th minute for Celtic to win that match. So I don't think the Hoops will relish this trip north. Um, 11 games unbeaten, Ross County are at Dingwall. And there's no reason why they should fear this this fixture at all. Malky Mackay has got them um, playing with, with confidence. And um, I think... For me, and I was speaking to my Inverness colleague Andy Skinner, who's obviously seen a lot of Ross County this season, and it's, it's friend very of the much, show. Uh, indeed, and it was, uh, you, I think it's a, an ideal set of fixtures. You pinpoint uh, the home games against uh, Dundee United, Motherwell. Let's be honest; though, obviously, those are the teams they're trying to um, beat for a European place if they can finish fourth. But as you've alluded to, of course, fifth will do them now. Given that Hearts are in the in the cup final, so um, yeah, there's a real opportunity if, if they, you know, could even take a point against Celtic, that sets them up really nicely for a, a trip to Tynecastle in the following week. Yeah, I know we've had a few pieces in the last few days. Of, they've talked about the fact that Ross County were underdogs to avoid relegation at the start of the season, and having you know climbed the mountain to get into the top six. They're used to they used to being underdogs. They're back to being underdogs again, maybe in their eyes for the European fight. And the pressure really is off. And given how well they've been playing when the pressure has been on, maybe it's, it'll be intriguing to see whether they can you know continue and maybe be even more free flowing in attack and continue to tighten up in defence. Yeah, yeah. The, the the shackles are, are off to to some uh, extent. And I, I've seen their, their match against Hearts uh, just a couple of weeks ago in Dingwall and uh, they were unlucky not to win that. They've drawn with, with Hearts a couple of times as, as well. And, you know, Hearts comfortably third uh, in that division and Robbie Nielsen talking about them going for a, a title push next year. So Ross County relish these, these big games. Uh, no matter who they're up against, they, they play on the front foot. They've been defensively solid more in the second half of the season you know it was a completely new squad as we, we all know about assembled by Malky Mackay last summer uh, as he was in the door so fr- from that point of view they they have tightened up at, at the back uh, I think um, Ross Laidlaw the goalkeeper has really helped in, in that regard as well as he's com- come into the team lately um, so yeah it's going to be a, a packed occasion in Dingwall this weekend and it will be, be one to relish watching uh, Celtic and see how they, they respond to that defeat last week at Hamden Across the Keswick Bridge obviously roller coaster week as I said for Inverness the beat Killy 2-1 big result last Friday and then the loss to Queen of the South in midweek. Relegation threatened Queen of the South, so that's a disappointment for them. But they can still secure third this weekend, I believe, against Morton, is that correct? That's correct, yeah. Be down at Capelo for that one. And, uh, you know, we spoke to Aaron Doran after the game as well, and he shared Billy Dodds, the head coach's view, that it, it was a real opportunity missed. Queen of the South were well worth their win, and in fact it really should have been 3-1 the, the 
they were well on top in the second half as well. It was a 2-1 interval lead. So, Cali Thistle, I think, uh, subconsciously, they got the job done with a brilliant win against Kilmarnock, the third time they've beaten the leaders this season. And I think maybe, you know, it was a case of the job was done. Uh, they did obviously want to win the game down at Queen of the South, who needed the, the victory. But I think uh, there was a wee edge missing from the, their game that needs to return on Saturday when they go to Capelo. The cliched emotional highs. Meaning that they were, you know, they were drained for the midweek they trip were. to Dumfries. They were. I was quite interested to read uh, Barry Wilson. I think it was. was That's it? right. Yeah. You, he obviously done midweek press for Inverness, and he was part of obviously behind Inverness at the moment. I, I suppose they could still technically catch them, but he was saying that fourth place shouldn't even get a playoff spot anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, what, what's your what's your take on that? It does seem a bit strange that the leagues are set up in a way. I know we, we can't change them at this point in the season. But they're set up in a way where you can still go up despite, as he said, basically finishing mid-table. Yeah, that's right. I know, and he, he was uh, saying it with a smile on his face because Cali Thistle could uh, drop drop to fourth place over the next fortnight, a uh, week or so, if they if they lose both games. But uh, yeah, you can see where he's coming from. Of course, that's across all uh, leagues, the championship down. That it, it, you get rewarded for a fourth place finish. What I would say is whether you finish third or fourth, it's a real uphill task. It's weighted heavily in favour of the Premiership team as to who kicks off in the, in the top flight next year. You have six games to get through if you're third or fourth and obviously the benefit of finishing third is you get the, the home advantage and for Cali Thistle that's great because it means they get the, the trip to uh, Fir Hill we know what that <laughs> looks like at the moment with the, the muddy pitch uh, they, they get that out of the way and they can uh, address the, the balance back in Inverness uh, a few days later but uh, yeah I expect Cali Thistle will get the job done this weekend you know Dougie Emery's Morton, they don't have anything to play for. He's come in and done the job and kept Morton safe, uh, probably with a, an eye on being involved in the playoffs themselves next year. So I think Cali Thistle, they do have something to play for. They want to improve on that midweek performance. Uh, I imagine Billy McKay will return to the team after he dropped to the bench at, in, at, at uh, Dumfries. So yeah, I think he'll, he'll be back. There'll be a real freshness about them and, and they'll get the job done with back up the road with three points. Not to open my in our monologue up to the the panel once again but would it take Cali Thistle less games to win the Scottish Cup than it would to go through from the playoff quarterfinals all the way up to the Premiership? I think Equal yeah. Six games I think it is six yeah yeah, yeah. at the stage that they would go in at Alright well we'll, we'll, let the, we'll let the geeks work that out C- Can I just be the pen and say technically you wouldn't have to win all six True True True. You could go up without winning any. Anyway, <laughs> let's let's move on to a team who are even closer. I mean, literally on the very the very precipice of getting promoted, and that's Cove Rangers, and we'll discuss them next. Okay, Jamie, you must have thought last weekend you were there. Airdrieonians pegged back, I believe, by. Dumbarton was it 2-2 they were pegged back to despite Dumbarton being down to 10 men Cove cruising at home to Aloha and then Airdrie get a late winner, something we've seen Cove do in recent weeks to be fair um, score pretty late on in games to secure points, draws in Cove's um, case but this weekend Cove are now at home to Dumbarton, their last home game of the season, the crowd should be enormous, they've They've cut ticket prices to make sure that this game and last week's game have been packed full of fans. Are they going to do it? Is it going to be the fairy tale ending to the championship season? As in championship winning, <laughs> not championship league one. Well, I would hope so. I think everything's set up for them to get the job done. 
Um, five points clear of Adrianians in. What we need to do it. There's no other results that can affect it this weekend. If Cove win, it's it's done and dusted. And I mean, you're playing against a Dumbarton team who are confirmed in the relegation playoffs. They can't go. They can't move up or down out of that slot. And while they may have, um, they may have one eye on the playoffs. They may want to obviously go in there on a high that I suppose they don't want to go into the playoffs fighting for their lives, then still scraping for form. So they will come up. They'll hopefully come up here and try and make a game of it against Cove. Um, I spoke to Paul Hartley um, on Thursday morning, and they don't. He's not anticipating them to just to to Dumbarton to come up and just to let Cove have a have a title party at the uh, at the Balm. <laughs> to have a title party at the Balmoral Stadium. Um, but if if you're Cove, you're looking at it as a game that you should be going out there and winning. Everything's set up for you. You're going to have hopefully another healthy four-figure crowds there to, to see them get the job done and be crowned league champions on their own on their own turf. Um, it did look like for a period last Saturday that it was going to get done for about 20 minutes towards the end of the game. And it did get to the point where uh, I had everything written as uh, Cove being crowned champions. And then obviously the, 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 the murmurs start going around the ground and there was a few... Uh, Ironic cheers from the the Aloha fans behind the goal that obviously Adrianians had scored, and so it's like it's a frantic re delete and rewrite. And the, before you're publishing, you're hoping that you've not you've not left any bits in there that have mistakenly crowned Cove champions a little bit too early. Um, but I would expect them to get it done. Twenty four games unbeaten. There's been nothing in that run that's kind of suggested they would slip up now with the uh, with the the title so close at hand. Um, it's, everything's been in their favour, and there's nothing. Uh, there's nothing. There's nothing that should frighten or for Cove to be wary of. Um, I I'm not sure if you're going to mention it or not, but obviously they had the news this week of the three players being nominated for League One Player of the Year in Mitch Meganson, Harry Milne, and Rory McAllister. Richly deserved. Um, I don't think there'd be too many people arguing with that. I mean, Harry Milne, particularly of late, has come to the fore. Um, Mitch and, and Rory have been consistent goal scorers all through the season and for the majority of their careers as well. Um, but Harry Milne's form of late has really caught the eye and he's played a real key role um, going forward as well as, as defensively of late. Um, I'll argue with you, Jamie. Fraser Fivey, what well, about him? He's in that squad something like 15 goals from 13, midfield. 13, I think it is, at the, at the minute. Unlucky oh, for some. Um, he's been playing a more advanced role. Um, this season, but he's again, he's another one that's picked up of late. He's been he's added a lot of goals to his game, and you could make an argument for a, <laughs> for a Cove clean sweep and all the nominees. But I'm sure Dylan Easton uh, would have something to say about that. He's had a good season in his own right at uh, Adrianians, um, but it's a, what 75 percent chance that there's going to be a Cove Rangers player nominated for? Oh, sorry, that's going to win the award. And I honestly couldn't pick. Out of the th- out of the three of them that that's a standout, they've all done they've all done remarkably well this year, um, and I think you could make a case for for any of them. A truly pitiful example of fence sitting there, <laughs> Jimmy. Uh, Peterhead safe now, at last two one win over Queens Park to do it. I mean, it's it gives them you know a couple of weeks, a couple of games to, I suppose give guys that maybe haven't had as much game time a chance, look ahead a little bit to next season, most of all start the planning process for next season because I know they're going to be in League One, what's the mood like at Peterhead? Buoyant I Yeah suppose. they seem to have found form at the right time to, to keep themselves in the 
in the division um, was unbeaten. Well, I think it's three wins and a draw from the last four games. So they've they've done they've done all that's been asked of them. The pressure is off a little bit, but they also kind of want to finish the season as high as as high as possible. Um, I think it, you get a little bit more prize money the fur, the further up the league you finish. Um, and it sets them. It would set them up nicely for next season when it's looking like it's going to be another very competitive division. You, I know you're probably going to lose Cove Rangers out of that, who are going to go up. But then you'll have one of one or two of Queen of the South, Dunfermline, Morton, maybe Air United, um, kind of coming down, and then Kelty Hearts coming up from from League Two, who will be very ambitious. Again, and then Queen's Park, you would think, would strengthen massively. Um, Falkirk, can they finally get it right and get themselves back out of that division? Um, it's going to be, it is going to be very competitive. And teams like Peterhead, they will be written off again at the start of next season. I'll come, I'm quite comfortable saying that now. People will expect them to go down again, but it was the same for this year, and they've proved people wrong. They've stayed up. Um, they've done it with a younger team that's got the foundation there for next season um, I did speak to Jim McAnally this morning just before uh, I came on the pod uh, just about his kind of obviously the mood around the place and his kind of thoughts for the remaining kind of couple of weeks of the season and I think this now they know they're going to be in League One next season discussions will start with boys as to what their what their futures um, holds boys that want to be around for next season boys that may be uh, looking at other things, um, there will be changes in the squad. Obviously, the lone boys will go back to the parent clubs, um, but there may be ones that want to go and play elsewhere. The ones that may be looking for a fresh challenge. Um, but you would expect that Peterhead again would be would be very competitive. Um, Jim's been over the course many, many, many times before, um, and I think it'll be be interesting to see what what comes ahead. I would expect them to go out there and play with a little bit of freedom against these five. East Fife are already down. They've got nothing to play for, and it's the last, it's the last Peterhead's home game of the season. So it may be the last chance for some supporters to see some of these boys as well. So, um, be a nice chance to give them a good send off. Right then, Chalky, let's keep it brief. Elgin two 0 win at Stirling Albion uh, at the weekend. We had said that it was a chance for them to prove they were as good as Stirling Albion, having failed I think the week before to prove they were as good as Stenny, as Gavin, Gavin Price had as had encouraged them to do. I mean, they're hosting Cowdenbeath this weekend, but the season feels like it's been over for so many weeks and we feel like we've had so many of these these chats about Elgin and Elgin basically being done for the season. Uh, yeah, any thoughts on this Such one? Such a disappointing campaign. I spoke to Russell Dingwall um, this week and, you know, he's uh, played all but one game um, and he just can't put his finger on, on why it hasn't happened for Elgin they they were one of the clubs a wee bit like Ross County who were hit with the Covid bug last summer so their preparations were, were hampered and he felt that they've just never got going the fact that it's taken them to last I mean he should know well he, he should know he's been in the, the thick of the action it's just not worked for, for Elgin the main thing is they know they're a League 2 club Um Cowden Beath, of course, are coming to the Borough Briggs with something to play for because they need to find form. They have actually improved lately, Cowden Beath, which is why the the relegation issue has lasted so so long. So they're coming to Elgin, um, needing uh, to uh, be in, in good form for the the playoff. Uh, of course, where we, we might well see Fraserburgh um, compete. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, for Elgin, uh, they just want to round off with, with victories and go into the summer with a, a bit of positivity at least. 
before we before we go, I think yeah, I was about to say before we didn't discuss earlier because Jamie's internet seemed to cut yes, out. It did. <laughs> He's got a new a new house, so we'll we'll let him off. Uh, but we we must of course discuss Aberdeen women's trip to Ibrox, which is coming up. It's another another big day for the Aberdeen women's players having played against Strangers at Pataudry, so returning the favour and the jurors for the Dons women. But I mean, it's not a game. There's any pressure on them to win, Jamie, of course, but. It'll be a great experience for what's still a young squad of players, won't it? And I mean, if they can get something out of it, then it'll also be probably the biggest result they're seeing. Absolutely. I think with games like this, and we've seen it mentioned when the, the two sides played at Pataudry last month, it, you have to look at the big picture here that it is a big step forward for um, Aberdeen women as a club and for women's football in Scotland that they are playing in these big stadiums because you need to give them the platform to to improve themselves and to improve and to show what they're about. Um if you if you maybe putting them not so much behind closed doors, but if you put them in the kind of smaller arenas that you maybe get a few kind of hardy folk that will go along their friends and family every week, that's great. But if you want to to grow the sport and open it up to to more people, you need to give them these opportunities to go and play in the bigger stadiums. You've seen it to a certain extent with the Scottish women's national team playing at Hamden for more of their games now, and I think. Whether we see Aberdeen women playing at Pataudry every week, I don't know. They have been playing really well at the Balmoral Stadium in Cove and they've kind of made a little bit of a home for themselves there. Um, but I think the opportunity to go to, to Ibrox and test themselves for a lot of these women, it'll be it'll be a fantastic opportunity. Um, and I'm sure one that you can, again, we've mentioned it with other clubs, that you can maybe go into it a little bit of a little bit of freedom because there's not going to be any expectation on you to go there and get a result. You want to enjoy the experience and take something take something from it. Um, I know we've got um, our colleague Sophie Goodwin going down there to the game on Sunday um, and I'm sure she's probably looking forward to it as well and sees it as she deals with obviously Emma Hunter, Gavin Beath and the players every week um, and it's, it is a fantastic opportunity for for the club, for the players and the staff to, to go and show what they're about. Good luck with that underground in Glasgow. Sophie, anyway, that is Northern Goal for this week. Thanks to the two Pauls, um, not quite the two Ronnies, but the two Pauls and Jamie for joining me today. Cheers, guys. Thank you, mate. It's good night from me. Uh, <laughs> anyway, you can email any questions or queries to northerngoal at dctmedia.co.uk. You can like and subscribe, and we hope you do, on your favourite podcast app and finally enjoy the football as the action returns for all of our teams this weekend cheers hope you loved the episode and if you did we'd be grateful if you could leave us a review or rating on apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to pick up your copies of the press and journal and evening express every day for the best football writing and analysis in the north